today we uh, are finishing our series out of Proverbs 26 and 27 on traps. And the origins of my messages come out of my devotional life. I spend time with God and in my journal, I'll write down thoughts, I'll write down ideas and what God is showing me today is usually what I preach two years from now and three years from now. That's just the way the Lord works. So a couple of years ago when I was reading through the Proverbs and making some observations on these particular Proverbs, right besides the passage we looked today, I wrote the word paranoia. So when we revisited this and, and got the content out so we could have the, the different media that we show you to help organize this, uh, the word paranoia was what I attached to the scripture today. Then when I begin to dig into it a little bit more, I realized that the word paranoia is really a clinical word. It's a, it's a word attached to a disorder, but I've come to use it really casually in my regular vernacular. So I, I want to set some expectations here at the beginning of the message because a couple of you have said, well, I'm looking forward to that message on paranoia. I'm not going to deal with the clinical definition, and we support therapists and psychologists. We have many of those, several of those who go to our church. Uh, so I've been to therapists before, and they definitely have their place, but psychology is really young. It's a couple of hundred years old, and the book that we get our guidelines from is 6,000 years old. Which one are you going to choose as your source, right? So I'm not going to give you the psychological clinical definition of paranoia. And so those of you will, many of you have a better definition of that in your mind. We're gonna keep it really simple. So this now brought me to, how am I gonna give you a simple definition of paranoia? And I thought through this and, and, and worked with a couple of words and I've come to this conclusion that will serve our purposes today. Paranoia is fear based off unconfirmed information. Fear based off unconfirmed information. For the purposes today, that's what we're going to talk about. When we project into the future and we're seized by fear of something that hasn't taken place yet, we don't know for sure if it will take place. There's no certainty if it will take place the way that we're imagining it. But we develop paranoia because we are afraid of what has been unconfirmed. We're afraid of what we don't know. And my concern about this in the spiritual life is this, is that God never wants us to operate out of fear. We operate out of faith. Having said that, the emotion of fear, no doubt you feel that, because I feel that too on a regular basis. We feel the emotion of fear, but we don't stay in fear. God wants us to move out of fear into faith. So I reminded you early on that the Proverbs were universal truths that really apply to both Christians and non-Christians, the majority of them. They're observations about life. They're observations about cause and effect. And through the Spirit's guidance, we can apply those and be led by the Spirit to make those spiritual truths to us. So it is the proverb we look at today, Proverb chapter 27, starting with verse 23, says it this way. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever and does a crown endure to all generations. Now I'm gonna give you three observations or three fears that turn into paranoia 
unconfirmed fears that I think all of us deal with. So we're going to start with those three fears. And then Jesus is going to give us three answers to those fears. So I have a six-point sermon today. And I'll tell you, that doesn't mean I'm going to preach twice as long as I usually do, because I'm usually a three-point person. But I still plan to deliver the sermon in the same time slot. But I want you to know that it's three fears and then three answers to the fears that are going to come together. The NLT gives us a different definition of the same passage. It says, know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. For riches don't last forever. And the crown might not be passed to the next generation. Well, we look at that and we say, in the context of when this was written, the flocks were really important because it was the economic, it was the economic value of a person. These were mostly agrarian people, farmers. And so they needed to know the condition of their flocks. They needed to know how much their wealth was. And first of all, I, I think about someone I know who obviously had access to a lot of different income because this acquaintance of mine would open up a checking account and not keep up with the balance. And instead of figuring out how much money he had, he would just go open another checking account until everything settled. And then when he didn't understand what was happening in that checking account, he would go to a separate bank and open another checking account. Obviously, there was a, a cash flow surplus in this guy's life because he was able to do that. I've never been able to experiment with that strategy. I would like to experiment with that strategy. Uh, I'm one that I have to know uh, what's in my checking account. That, that's a good place for us to start because that's a way we can identify because we have to know the conditions of our flock, or our herds. Financially, it's a very, very good thing for us when we know how much is in our checking account and we know what our budget is. But often, we don't do that because it's no fun and it's kind of depressing and it can be more stressful. So a lot of times we'll take our debit card and we'll spin it, spin the, 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 the transaction, kind of hoping it works out. You know, I, I hope this is going to work out. And that actually produces more stress than keeping up with our checking account. But that's human nature. And, and I gave that example to start off this talk because I think a lot of us can identify with that, where we just kind of don't want to bother checking, don't want to bother looking. We just don't want to know. We don't know the condition of our flock. We don't know the condition of our situation. And what happens is, is I believe paranoia comes into our lives when we, we have a lack of access to information. In fact, if you just look at societies and cultures that, cultures that, are based around myths and legends, often are uneducated cultures. That the more information a culture has, the less prone they are to myths or legends that aren't true. The more knowledge we have access to, the less paranoia we're going to have. So if, if you have knowledge on how much money's in your checking account, then, then you're going to have less uncertainty in your life. Now, this, that, that's the starting place, but there's things that matter much more than money that we're victims to paranoia because we, we, don't know this, the, we don't know the condition of our flock. Working with marriages. I'm amazed 
at how many spouses had no idea how unsatisfied their spouse was in a marriage. Now, sometimes it can, this can be because of deception, and that certainly does happen. One spouse is deceiving the other. But frequently, especially with us guys, we just think that our wife is going to be automatically happy because, of course, they're married to me, and I'm the man. And why wouldn't she be happy? And then when a problem surfaces or an issue surfaces, I see a lot of guys, and sometimes girls too, have no clue. They've been completely oblivious to the condition of their marriage. So I say in your marriage, know the state of your flocks. Not that we would ever equate any of our wives to livestock. That's not a good thing either. But you know, you can, you can go with the analogy. You know the condition of your marriage. Working with teenagers as a youth pastor, it was amazing how often that parents had no clue the rebellion their students were in or no clue the, the type of crowd their students were in. Again, we're not omniscient as parents and it's, it's very easy to be unaware of these things, but often it's because the parent doesn't know the state of their flock. They're, they just, it takes too much energy to investigate. And maybe sometimes we don't really want to see what could happen. What about in a job situation? Often it is that we come and we, we get corrected in our job or we lose our job or, or we get a pay cut and it's a shock and we're, we had no idea. Sometimes we're warned and sometimes we can feel the process happening. But other times... It's a shock, and it may be in some cases, not every case, but in some case, we don't know the condition of our flock. We're, we're, not, we're not analyzing where our place is in the company. We, we don't know where our role is. We don't have any concern about if or we're pleasing our superiors. It's a, maybe a subtle pride. We're taking our job for granted. And then out of nowhere, out of nowhere comes a change. And see, this produces in us a fear, a paranoia. I think this scripture, the, the first part of verse 23, says, know the state of your flock. Put your heart into caring for your herds. Know the condition. Don't, don't just blindly live life. Know what's going on in your life. And when we have information, it will reduce the amount of unconfirmed fear. Here are three universal Fears I think all of us deal with it. I think we'll see from the scripture. First one is this, is the fear of the unknown. We fear what we don't know. I've already touched on this some. We fear what we can't recognize. We fear what we can't see. And what happens is this, is that I've been in relationship with some people who really struggle with um, anxiety and worrying too much. Everybody worries, but compulsive worry and really compulsive worry is driven by fear. Because what happens is this, is as you look into the future and you fear the future, you try to think up every scenario, every bad scenario that can happen so it doesn't catch you off guard. Now, in leadership, we have to be prudent. In leadership, we have to make basic decisions to avoid avoid catastrophe and risk management. 
But I'm talking about something that crosses the line of prudence and instead is obsession, unfounded fear, fear that causes you not to enjoy life anymore because you fear so much the possibilities, some that could happen, but some that are really just out of your imagination. I mean, we can play that game in any area, in any arena, as a grandparent, as a parent, as a business owner. As a spouse, you could fear the future and you could think of every single scenario. But the problem is, if that becomes the dominant force in your life, you'll begin to live out of fear and not faith. You'll begin to live out of paranoia. And the fear of the unknown is something every human being has. But God wants us to move beyond the fear of the unknown. There's a There is something God has for us that we're going to discover today. Through the gospel, through the message of Christ, through what Jesus has for us, we don't have to live in the fear of the unknown. Here's another fear that we have, the fear of lack. Fear of lack. Every single human deals with this. And the proverb makes this really clear. If we go back to chapter 27, verse 24, it says it this way. For riches don't last forever. Riches don't last forever. I don't really have to unfold this long for you to agree with me. We know that riches are temporary. They don't last forever. And that can be a very unsettling feeling. In 2008, I think every American, the vast majority of Americans who owned a home, lost a lot of perceived riches when our house values flipped. Not to mention retirement funds. Not to mention all of the things our economy is based off of, that there was, there was riches that evaporated. And that's cyclical in our country. That's happened before. And it, it's a cycle that continues to happen. The point for this message is this. You can't trust in your riches. You cannot trust in your riches. It's not wrong to be rich. God doesn't have a problem with you being rich as long as you're not greedy. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. But you can't trust in riches. You cannot trust if in, in, in financial security because the proverb says, for riches don't last forever. And that is just life. That's just life that, that today, whoever's rich today, it's not guaranteed they'll be that way tomorrow. We can't trust that. So there's that fear, fear of lack, fear of, am I going to have enough money to retire Am I I going to have enough money to pay off this house? Am I going to have enough money to help my kids go to college? And then that's the maybe bigger thing in life, but sometimes it's simply the the fear of, am I going to have enough money between this paycheck and the next? Am I going to have enough money to pay the fee for this activity I think my kid needs to be in to help their self-esteem? Am I going to have enough money to date my wife? Everyone says, date your wife once a week. Well, Money helps that. I know everyone says, you don't need money, but it sure does help, doesn't it? So we, we fear lack. Am I going to have enough? Is there going to be enough? Can, can I have that? Because riches don't last forever. And here's the third fear. And you'll see that. Does a crown endure to all generations? Well, the answer, the answer is no. The answer is no. And so here's the last fear, the fear of our mortality. The fear of Death, the fear of our legacy, the fear of our life, because there's something within us that wants to be immortal. 
That's why fame is so alluring. That's why idol worship is so alluring. We want our name to be remembered. We want to be cast in bronze and have a statue of us. Or we're susceptible to many of the cults who say, many of the cults that say, if you follow this religion, you can become a god and you can rule a planet and you can have dominion and authority and, and you will be like God himself. It's the original temptation. So we fear immortality. And this is in our life too. A lot of times we have this timeline and we say, well, by, by the age of 30 and by the age of 45 and by the age of 70 and as life goes on, I should have accomplished this. I need to accomplish this. And, and we feel this nagging sense that life is expiring as if this is the only life that we have. A lot of times this is reinforced through some of the sermons you hear, the sermons that seem effective, sermons that are based on humanism, that emphasize things like you only have one life to live and you only have one chance and you better get all the pleasure in here and you better fulfill your destiny and it's all about you, it's all about your potential and it's all about what you can do. And while those can be helpful as motivators, they can be uh, also discouraging in what God wants to show us for eternity. Because here's, here's the truth is that we, we are very mortal without Christ. But through Christ... Through Christ, we have something much, much more than just this life. It's not just about the years we have here. It's about eternity with him. And so it is, we don't have to live under the same pressure to produce our own legacy and to make our name known and to visit every continent and to climb Mount Everest and to be filthy rich. We don't have to have all the the pressure to accomplish our bucket list and do everything we need to because it's not just about this life. There's a life that's extended beyond today. There's a life that continues. But through humanistic eyes, verse 24 is true. Does a crown last forever? No, it doesn't. You know, the stuff that really matters to us now, people won't even care about 100 years from now. People won't remember 200 years from now. So it is, we fear that mortality. Well, for every fear, Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer for your fear. Christ is your answer to your anxiety, your, your paranoia, the fear of unconfirmed, that have been unconfirmed, that plagues you, that takes your thought process, that occupies your mind. And I wanna give you three, three different scriptures today that either you've heard before or, or you, you may, they may be new to you or they may be a reminder to you. But I want these scriptures to build your faith in Christ today. I want these scriptures to make Christ bigger in your, in your eyes, in your heart, in your devotion. And what I want you to do is I want you to use these scriptures as, as, as uh, points to refer to. Either, either mark them in your Bible or, or write them down on a significant piece of paper or, or type them out in your phone. And let the, the phrases from the scripture be the medicine to these fears. When those fears try to grip you, the fear of the unknown, the fear of lack, the fear of your mortality, let these scriptures guide you and point you back to Christ. Here's the first answer. These corresponding points is this, is that, that Christ, Christ is, he gives certainty to us. Christ gives certainty to us. Everything around you is uncertain. You cannot guarantee the future. You cannot guarantee what tomorrow is going to be. 
You don't know what your future financial situation will be. You don't know what your future health situation will be. You don't know what the status of our nation and our government will be in the future. There's a lot of uncertainty there. And you know, I wish that, that I could just give you a psychological boost today and, and make you feel better about your life and, and use uh, verbal skills to say, everything's gonna get better. Your marriage is gonna get better. Your health is gonna get better. You're gonna have more money. Your kids are gonna be perfect. You're gonna get better looking. And everyone will feel really good about themselves. And this nation is all turning around and we'd all feel better about ourselves but it would be like eating a cotton candy. It would taste good to the palate, but there's no nutrition there. Here's the truth. I can't guarantee your future. I can't guarantee what the future will be for you relationally or financially or health-wise, but I can give you a promise today that in the future, God's gonna be with you. God's gonna be with you in the future. When he gave us his mandate, Jesus did in Matthew 28, starting with verse 19, he, said, he gave us a, a huge cause. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's a huge call. And then he says, teaching them to observe all that I command you. Now look at this part. This is the part that I want you to focus on, underline, memorize if you're good at that. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What's that? I am with you always. I've got some good news for you. You are stuck with Jesus. He's gonna be with you. That's the good news. That's the certainty that you have. You see, when fear comes into your life and you can be paranoid about the future and say, I, 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 I see all of these possibilities and I don't know what's gonna happen to me. I don't know what's gonna happen to my family. I don't know what's gonna to happen to our nation. You'll never find the answer to that until that moment arrives. But you can live with the certainty that because of Jesus, he is going to be with you always. He's in covenant with you. He's in relationship with you. He is promised, he has promised to be with you through every circumstance, through hard times, through good times, through challenge, through prosperity, through sickness, through health. He's gonna be with you every single time. That's his promise. He's gonna be with you. Our God is with you. Our God is with you. And that will change your perspective. That will change your fear. That will eliminate your fear. That's the promise that God has. He's gonna be with you. Whatever circumstance you have, whatever situation you have, you don't have to stay in fear. Feeling fearful is natural. The emotions of fear are something every person experiences. I experienced that. But when you realize that God is with us, that he promised that I am with you always, even to the end of the age, he's going to distance to you. God's never gonna check out. God's never gonna give up. God's never going to get bored or God's never going to um, um, turn his back on you. He doesn't have the ability to do that. He is with you. He is with you always. And that should be enough for us. See, the, the enemy wants to get our eyes on all kinds of things, on our circumstance, on our fear, on our, on our uncertainty. And the scripture is screaming to us, I am with you, says the Lord. I am never gonna leave you. I'm gonna be with you no matter what the circumstance is. And we immediately think, God, you're gonna be with me through the tough times, right? That's, that's what we think about that scripture. God, you're gonna be with me through the tough times. But for some of us, the greatest challenge to our life it's not the tough times, it's the prosperous times. It's the authority 
It's the influence. It's the extra money. It's the good stuff that our character can't handle yet. Can I tell you that God wants to be with you in the good times too? Because that's some of your greatest challenges. Is when things are going good, that can equally be a challenge. God says, I'm with you through any circumstance. So when you begin to fear the unknown, when you begin to fear the unknown, don't look for the easy answer. Don't look for the fake promise. Don't look for the easy encouragement that's just a pat on the back. You look for a person. That's our risen king, our risen God saying, I don't care what situation faces me. I don't care what challenge is ahead of me. God is with me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Jesus Christ, he is the one who has, who has been risen from the dead. He has victory over death and Hades and the grave. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. What is that power? It's Christ himself. It's not something mythical or weird or strange. It's the essence of who he is. It's Christ in glory dwelling in you. Any circumstance that's before you, you can overcome. And I just want to speak that to your life. God is with you. You don't have a reason to fear. You don't have a reason to doubt. You don't have a reason to be paranoid. God is with you. And whatever is before you, whether it's good or bad, he's going to take you through it. So we have a fear of the unknown, but let's bring it down to daily stuff. And that's a fear of lack, a fear of lack. It's a provision issue. Sometimes we preach and talk about your destiny and we preach and talk about your potential. We, we preach and talk about God's will and plan for your life. But sometimes we just need to hear God's assurance about today. And God wants you to know something today. Yeah, he cares about your potential and your future and your destiny and your call and all that. But he also cares about the small stuff. The small stuff that's big stuff. The things that, that daily we wonder how we're going to provide for our family, whether it's financial or emotional or whatever the case is. And I love Matthew chapter 6. I never get tired of reading Matthew chapter 6 of any scripture because Jesus is talking about daily needs. I mean, he's talking about clothes and food and shelter, the stuff that sometimes feels unspiritual. Sometimes we tell ourselves, well, why should I be worried about clothing? And yeah, I know I need, my, my kid needs new shoes or my grandkid needs tuition money, but I shouldn't be worried about that because people are starving to death. And I shouldn't be worried about that because there's a war in the Middle East and I shouldn't be worried about that. And I think it's it's both. You shouldn't be worried because God doesn't want you to, but you should know this, is that our God is concerned about the things that concern you. And he wants to take that concern upon himself. So Matthew 6 is a beautiful, beautiful scripture. And starting in verse 30, it says this, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, but tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious. Is that, is that not a good word for us to hear when we're talking about paranoia? Don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need, all, need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, that's your second pill. This is the antidote. This is the pushback against fearing of lack. I want you to meditate on Matthew 6, 
Mark it in your Bibles. Write it down somewhere. Memorize it. Highlight it on your phone. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what are all these things? It's the little stuff. It's the food. It's the clothes. It's the shelter. It's the stuff that you need to get through the day. See, the enemy wants to attack your provision. He wants to attack and distract you through the little things, the little headaches, the little bit of health, the the lack in in the food, the lack in the, the things that you need. And God says, you put me first. You put my kingdom first and you seek me first. And all these things, all these material things will be added to you. See, Christ is provision. Christ is our provision. That is the answer. That's the answer to our fear of lack. That these words that we just read out of Matthew 6 came from the words of Christ himself. He is speaking to you. He's the one that's going to come through for you. He's the one that's going to provide for you. He's the one who cares about the little details of your life. So let me ask you this question. And this is not a question you're just asked once in your life. And and this is a question that even if you were asked yesterday, you need to be asked again today. Is the kingdom of God, are the purposes of God, is God number one in your life? Is he number one in your life? Are you seeking first his purposes? Are you seeking first his will? Because that is the greatest solution to any lack in your life. Any provision that you need, the greatest solution is to put God first. Put his kingdom first. Put his purposes first. Put him first in all things. Now that will will be the best thing you can do for your family is to put God first. And I want to speak to the singles here that don't wait and think That if I find the right person in your mind, I find the right person, I'll put God first then. I mean, if I could just find that girl or if I could find that husband, then I could put God first. As if you're going to find someone you really like and y'all can put God second and and then get it changed after you're married. Yeah, right. No, put him first now. If you have a need for a spouse in the future and you want God to send you a spouse or show you a spouse. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You put God first and he'll show you someone if it's his will that has put him first also. And then you can have a marriage that blesses the Lord and glorifies the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God. Christ is our provision. He's the one that we look to. And so it is is that in your daily needs, whether you have an emotional need, a financial need, whether you have a need for a new idea in your business, a new idea in what you're trying to accomplish in commerce, go to Matthew 6.33. Go to that scripture that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things, all the practical needs will be added unto you. The third fear that I've already mentioned today is the fear of our mortality. The fear that we deal with uh, that life is slipping away that I better accomplish everything because this is all I have. I better, I better fulfill my selfish desires and, and, and get it done because life is slipping away and life is so fragile. The answer to that is Christ gives eternity. Christ gives eternity. Christ is the only one that has the authority to give you immortality. Not mortality, but immortality. And we say that we don't seek immortality as the world does. The world wants their name to live on. The world wants their cause to live on. The world wants to be remembered. But we don't have that type of selfish, 
self-serving mortality, immortality we desire. We're not among the cults who we desire to be the God of our own planet and to rule and reign. No, our immortality is centered on Christ, reflecting his glory, giving him, giving him the honor that he's due. And the fact that when he, he is our eternal life and he is the only one who has authority. I want you to go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 23, and there Jesus was on the cross. And he was being crucified between two criminals. A man on his right, a man on his left, both from all that we know who had lived hard lives, who had not honored God, who had made mistakes that they deserved punishment for. And in the middle of this story, one of the criminals who, were, were, uh, one of the criminals who hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I love this scripture because it tells us the heart of the gospel. Only Jesus has authority. Only Jesus has power. And he can grant eternity to those who he chooses to. He can grant eternity to those who respond to his message. Even in your last hour, even in your last day, you don't get access to heaven because you're good. You don't get access to heaven because of your works. You don't get access to heaven because of your ability. You have access to heaven because Jesus has come against the fear of mortality and he has given eternal life and he is the only one who's able to do so. That's why John 17, three says, this is eternal life to know him and the one who sent him, Jesus. That is the answer. That's the answer for us. And I want you to know when life begins to, to hover over you and depression is, is comes over you and you begin to evaluate your past and your future and you feel like time is slipping away and you feel like you're not making the difference you should and you feel like all is lost, can you remember that eternity has started today? When you give your life to Christ, life goes on after earthly death. It's a continuation. We don't just die and we're annihilated. No, we pass from one life to eternal life and they're all connected together. And so it is. Your best days are ahead of you, not through human effort, not through a psychological boost, not through just trying to rally your emotions. Your best days are ahead of you because you have the eternity with Jesus Christ, the risen, the exalted one who has gone before us to prepare a place for us. And he said this, I am going to prepare a place so that where I am, you may be also. When we get face to face with Jesus, he'll eliminate all our fears. He'll eliminate all of our paranoia. He'll, he'll eliminate all the uncertainty and we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And that is, gives us the ability to give him the glory and to give him the praise and the honor that he deserves. Heaven is before us. Eternity is before us. And I don't understand what heaven's going to be. I don't understand all the details of heaven yet. You know, a lot of times this is where preachers will say, I hope you like worship service because it's going to be that way for all of eternity. That's not a comforting thought for a lot of people. To have to stand through a church service song for eternity. 
I don't know what heaven's gonna be like, but I know this, it's gonna be good because our God is there. I think heaven is gonna be, we're gonna do a lot of the things that we do here on earth, but the difference is they're gonna be pure before the Lord, they're gonna be holy, and they're gonna be exalting Jesus. Every action that we take is gonna make Jesus bigger. Every action that we're gonna take is gonna glorify the Father. There's gonna be no pride. There's gonna be no impurity. There's gonna be no deception. There's gonna be no injustice. There's gonna be no anger. There's gonna be no no, unequitable behavior. All is going to glorify God and glorify Him. That is what is before us. That is what we're moving towards. That's what we're looking to. So we don't have to fear the days ahead of us. We don't have to fear the future because our life is hidden with Christ. We will be with Him someday. And that's the hope that we have. So don't fear, friends, the unknown because Christ is your certainty. And don't fear lack because Christ is your provision. And don't fear mortality, for you will be with Christ forever and ever because of the work of the cross. And that gives us a reason not to fear. Can we pray together? God, I pray for my friends today who have been experiencing a darkness.